Okay, my dear, my dear friends, my beautiful mothers and grandmothers. And we even have a dude on the call today, which dads are and grandpas are so welcome. So I was able to decorate the house. The stockings are hung by the chimney with care. <laughs> you have your tree up. <coughs> so I'm sporting a little cold still. So I've got my cough drops and my water. So we will get through this beautiful lesson. Remember, all of our lessons are taken out of, out of our cottage meeting manual. We're on lesson number nine today. My name is Julene Jackson. I oversee the cottage meetings for Moms for America. Vivian is our Mom Links manager. She does all the behind the scenes work, keeps these meetings going and so much more. Viv is out of San Antonio, Texas. And so I couldn't do it without her. So grateful she's in my life. So I love these classes. I hope they remind us that mamas, grandmas, you will be the best teacher your children and grandchildren will ever have. You are the most qualified to teach them the things that they will need to be best armored up as they go out to fight their battles. And so, you know, as we gather together each week as moms and grandmothers in these virtual online cottage meetings, and we learn the stories and miracles of America and the attributes of creating strong families. Really what we're doing as we meet virtually is we're modeling what an in-person cottage meeting would look like. And so, um, you know, ideally, at some point you might feel inspired. And then I know so many of you have started your, your in-home in cottage meetings and you continue to uh, join with us virtually as well. So before we get into lesson number nine, a time to sew, I would be remiss if I didn't share with you what transpired this weekend for Moms for America. We had a blockbuster weekend, like one we have never known before. I've been involved with Moms for America for 10 years. Viv has been involved for five years, right, Viv? Four years. So, Viv, let's show some of these slides. We went to Mar-a-Lago Mar Mar in Palm Beach, Florida, to uh, Trump's golf resort, and we attended. Okay, Viv. Okay. We went um, to the Turning Point USA Gala. There was 800 people there. There's Viv looking gorgeous in our long formals. While we were having a little reception out around the pool, who would stop by but Mr. Trump? And when he's in town, it's been said that he has been making a little appearance at all the events uh, that are being held at Mar-a-Lago. And so he spoke for about 20 minutes. He probably should have ended about 10 minutes into his spiel, but it was kind of fun. You know, he's always a crowd pleaser. And then Viv, let's see the next slide. So then we had the Moms for America Women of Influence lunch the next day. That's Charlie Cook. He's 28 years old. He's the founder and president of Turning Point USA, an organization that teaches high school and college kids principles of liberty and freedom. It's only been in existence for 10 years and it's just taken off. At the, at the night before, at the, uh, his gala, he actually raised $23 million in 40 minutes. 
And this was people just standing up, donating uh, a half a million, uh, a million. And, you know, the low bidders were a hundred thousand. It was kind of funny. The people that pledged a hundred thousand said, oh, I'm so sorry. All I can give is a <laughs> hundred thousand. And so it was really amazing to see the money that's out there and they're willing to contribute because they understand the the worth of the work that Charlie Cook does. And so we actually gave him the legacy award the next day at our luncheon. And then um, this is our president in the middle there. And then our other vice president, Debbie in the green, our MC is in the purple. And then there was me. So we were up on stage getting ready to give an award and who would walk in, but the president of the United States. And so he came on up to the stage, gave us all a little hug. I mean, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, is this really happening? So he spoke for about five, seven minutes, talked about the importance of motherhood. He reveres mother. Donald Trump has been very good to Moms for America. He often has invited us to functions when he was the president and he would put us right on the front row, right next to the joint chiefs of staff. And I thought, boy, that says all I need to know about this man and how he feels about mothers. And so, okay, Viv, let's see the next. So he, after he left, I had to speak after him. So it was was a little daunting, but I, I was prepared. So I tried not to, uh, You know, uh, I just, I, you know, when you are prepared, you just have a piece about you. And, and I had a 12 minute message and um, let's see the next slide. What I primarily talked about was the impact of cottage meetings on women. So there was about six or seven, actually probably about 25, 30 moms and about six or seven had flown in from parts of the country. And so I had them stand up and I told them the impact of cottage meetings. So Samantha Hall right there in the little white pants, she actually (coughs) um, attended some cottage meetings. Actually, she's attended all 16 of the Healing of America seminar. But after about a few cottage meetings, she decided to run for school board and she won. And she not only... Uh, one, but she convinced six other people to run for various positions in her town, and they all won. So I highlighted her story. And then um, Winsome Sears was also supposed to be one of our award, um, Mother of Influence Awards, but Winsome Sears, the lieutenant governor-elect out of Virginia, the day before called because there had been a security threat against her life, so she was not leaving the state. And so I told the story and, and Winsome Sears said, would you please thank those mothers from Virginia who were the means of securing Yunkin, Governor-elect Yunkin and Winsome Sears' victory in turning a, a blue stronghold to red. And the Washington Post, the day after the election, attributed uh, the army of mothers, just like we got Tyler Oda and Lorene, I'll, I, I'll, I always... I slaughter everyone's last names, Lorene. Anyways, both these girls in the red dress uh, is, are from Virginia. So I had <laughs> how these mothers have started cottage meetings in the neighborhood. 
and have been a part of organizing these armies of moms to have attend rallies, to go before the school boards, to testify, told them how um, Tyler puts forth a, a bi-weekly Patriots Digest, activating people in the community to action. And then Viv, let's see the next slide. And then I talked about Gerald right there. She came in from New Jersey, how she started a, a program in the inner city uh, school, one of the lowest graduating graduation rates in this high school in Newark, New Jersey. So she said, Jolene, when you always ask, once you learn these things, ask the Lord what to do. She said, I got on my knees and I asked the Lord what I should do. And the Lord responded by submitting a proposal to this high school. This was actually the high school that her mother attended many years ago. And she put forth this pr proposal <laughs> to teach good health practices in the health classes uh, for the ninth and the 11th graders, that if you will finish high school and get a skill, go to college, get married, and then have children, there will be a less than 2% chance of you living in poverty. And so I highlighted how the cottage meetings inspired her, the things that she learned to do this. This is Tammy in the blue jacket. She's from Texas. Tammy uh, told us that she invited her mother to begin to join her in the cottage meetings because um, there had been uh, just some separation between the mother for, for several years. And so her mama started to attend with her online and it just brought them back together, the cottage meetings. And then, okay, we have one more slide. And then I had all the moms from Florida and that's just, a, they were cute, they all wore purple. There was probably about 30 moms from Florida. I had all the Florida moms stand up. And I talked about how, what they had learned in the cottage meetings was a means of going out in the community to activate. About um, two months ago, they held a rally up at the state capitol where a thousand people attended for medical freedom. And one of the moms actually texted me and she said, what I learned in the cottage meetings allowed me to speak to my legislator using principle and authority. And I learned that in the cottage meetings. So I spoke, we had about almost 300 people at this luncheon and I just showed them example after example after example, how the cottage, cottage meetings were moving the needle in the communities of the women that were participating in them. Okay, then let's see what's our next slide. <laughs> so I just want you to know we raised more money than we've ever raised in the history of Moms for America. Donald Trump gave us a ringing endorsement, as did Charlie Cook, said that Moms for America would be one of the most important organizations moving forward on the behalf of the family. So it was really, it was really a, a miracle event. Now, I've been with Moms for America 10 years. I've been with them when we had but two dimes <laughs> to rub together. So it's an example to me that is, if we will just stick with something that we know is right and true, even if it looks like, you know, it's never going to have the reach or take off the way that it needs to. If we will stick with it in God's due time, he will bless that and he will expand it and magnify it and make it be what it needs to be in the right time.
And so anyways, that was our weekend. Woo. So let's move on now to our lesson number nine, a time to sow. It's kind of like, a, it's a biblical concept. This, this idea of planting seeds and, and these, these seeds could be uh, family traditions and eating together and quality family time. Um, Ronald Reagan said, all great change in America begins at the dinner table. And this is what we're going to talk about today, that uh, the dinner hour, as well as uh, home management ideas and the value of quality family time. The law of harvest suggests that if we take the time to teach our children today, we really will reap the benefits tomorrow. Quality family time is found in small and simple things that if repeated consistently over time will bear remarkable fruit. Just like this weekend with the Mothers of Influence Award for Moms for America. For years, I have taught these lessons. I have spoken, I have traveled around. For years, Viv has been involved in Moms for America at a smaller scale. But as we have consistently given our time and our talents to this organization, over time, hopefully God will make, make it what it needs to be. It's also, we'll talk a little bit towards the end of our class today on the family dinner hour, how this simple and profound opportunity to eat together, to teach and discuss together at the dinner table might be the means to solving <laughs> this, this country's problems. Okay, so also, can I just say, little Sam, she, we just released the podcast for Sam um, from Pennsylvania, and she talks all about the cottage meeting and its influence on winning. So I'd, I'd recommend listening to that uh, podcast. Okay, so let's turn, let's open our books here. The best time and place to teach children about liberty is while they are young and in the home. The family dinner hour is one of the best environments to teach and discuss principles that are important to the family. Solving family level problems at the, at, at the local level within the four walls of our home. Let's see that slide. So principle 21 from the 5,000 year leap. This is a principle of, of liberty. Um, let's see, here we go. Principle 21 says strong local Self-government is the keystone to preserving human freedom. So it's kind of like the same thing as far as shoring up your family. You best solve the problems of the family within the four walls. We don't need to outsource to, you know, the therapist or to the schools or to other sources. Um, Strong local self-government is the keystone to preserving human freedom. When you centralize, when you centralize a government, like all roads lead to Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C. will solve all our problems. What eventually happens is it benumbs the spirit of volunteerism and you lose the ability to solve your own problems because now you're looking 3,000 miles away to a government, a government program, a president to solve your program. Uh, to solve your problems. And, um, and so the family is the same way. When there is a problem in the family, you gather those little chickadees uh, close together and you work through it. Now, Viv, let's see the next um, 
time. So this is a little picture. I come from a family of nine. I'm number six. And my brother in the blue is number seven. And then the twins in the white shirt and the, the little dress are um, child number eight and nine. Now, my mama, uh, my parents divorced when I was 14 years old. So my mother essentially raised the nine children by herself, particularly the last uh, four or five of us. So when I was about 20, my brother in the blue was 18 and my twins, uh, siblings were 14, or, uh, 16. My brother came to my mom and he had been smoking marijuana. And he uh, was having some repercussions from, from this and he was scared. And so what my mother did, I will never forget this, a single mother, not sure what to do. She called everyone that was in that home. That was me, my 18 year old brother and, the, and both the twins. And we sat in that front room. I will never forget this. And she had Jared explain to us what he had explained to my mother. And then he had, my mother had my 18 year old brother. We knelt in a family prayer and he had, she had my brother issue a prayer on the behalf of uh, his younger brother. And our hearts were softened because my little brother was kind of a little bit of a knucklehead. But we all felt differently towards him at that point. And our feelings changed and we rallied around this kid and he made it through his high school year. He would go on to marry He's a father of five. He's just the best father. He's just the best man ever. And I will never forget my mother pulling us close together, calling upon the powers of heaven, including everyone that was in the home at the time to rally around this brother, let him know how much we loved him. It was going to be okay. So instead of outsourcing this problem to the school or to maybe the therapist or, you know, laying into the parents of the young man that was providing the drugs, she gathered us all together. And I will never forget that example that our problems are best solved within the four walls of our home when problems strike in a family. So the Lord tells us in the scriptures, obviously it's very important to him what, we, what goes on within the four walls of our home. Bib, let's see that next slide. When it comes to teaching and instructions, in Proverbs 22.6, God tells us to train up a child in the way that he should go and he will not depart from it. And I dare say, even if they for a time depart from it, if you continue to be there and love them, they will come back. I've just seen it. I've just seen it too much in my life. In Genesis 18, 19, God says he will command his children and their households to keep the way of the Lord. In Proverbs 24, 3, it says through the wisdom through wisdom, a house is built by understanding it is established. In Joshua 24, 15, it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Lord cares very much what goes on within the four walls of our home, the teaching and the instruction that goes on. Now, in our manual, okay, then let's see the next there is a book called A House United. It's teaching children principles of self-government. 
And in the book, it gives a little synopsis. Nicolene Peck is the author of this book. She's kind of famous. She has all, has all kind of webinars on teaching children self-governance. She has taught children with ADHD, OCD, kleptomania, compulsive lying, anger, control issues. Nicole said, I taught behaviors, not medication. That, that they would come to us on many medications and usually leave not on any medications. Many children are misdiagnosed. They just need to learn cause and effect better. So she has taught for over a decade these self-government skills and uh, she has these webinars. So if it's something that you feel there would be a need in your home, I would highly recommend getting this book and reading it through and checking out her webinars. So about a decade ago, she was on this program. Her family was, it was called The World's Strictest Parents. And they brought two rebellious teenagers from the UK and brought them into her home. And she really rehabilitated them in a few weeks. It was, it was the most fascinating show how she did it. So it's a 55 minute program. The World's Strictest Parents it was the second season, 2009. Uh, if, if you're interested in watching that. Okay, so let's see how we're doing on time. Very good. Um, oh, yes, so. I have not done Nicolene Peck's program because I just kind of by hook or crook came up with my own little program, you know, and usually mama is the best one to receive inspiration, how to teach her children how to work. So this is a part of my morning routine with my baby now. And basically this is what I did with all the kids in our family devotional. We would do the chores. We would do chores in the morning uh, and then let's see the next slide. We had a little work program called Commitment to Excellence. Be all that the Lord intends for us to be. And then the kids each week would write down their little chores and then they would mark and then they would tally it up and let me know how much I owed them. And then on Friday, I would pay everyone and they would pay 10% uh, to tidy, 20% for savings, and then they would keep the rest. And this was our little work program for probably a decade, commitment to excellence. And so let's go back to that previous slide about our morning routine. So now I really just have a 14-year-old. We have an 18-year-old son. He's kind of got one foot out the door. He's a senior in college. He's still around, believe me. But uh, this is the little morning devotional that I really did with all the kids. And now I just have one child to do it with in the morning. We pledge allegiance. We go through a Bible story. We go through a principle of the 5,000-year leap. We go through the headlines in the newspaper. We go through a little pamphlet that my church puts out called The Strength of Youth and Different Virtues. I have her read from the little McGuffey reader. We sing a song, a gospel, and then we go over our schedule, and then we pray, and she goes to school. Now, I can knock that out in about 15 minutes. I know that seems like a lot, but I've gotten kind of good at it through the years. So, so this is just what it looks like in my home. It's going to look a little different in every home. You can see I have to put that morning routine up on the refrigerator because <laughs> I might forget. It's a lot of little things that we clip through in the morning. Okay, Viv, let's see the next slide and then the next one. So in the raising of a, a new generation of patriots, there's a story about a struggling tree in the final chapter of this book. 
and it serves as a parable for preserving liberty. So let me just take you through this little story here on the very back of the book on page 72. Tammy Holtz wrote this story. She, they had moved to Minnesota, Tammy had, and they moved into their first home and they planted their first little tree and they would care for it each year. They would fertilize it. They'd take a little yardstick to see how it was growing. Well, four years had passed. And there in 1991, there was a terrible Halloween blizzard. And the following month, there was a terrible Thanksgiving blizzard that left record breaking amounts of snow. And so the spring came and when the snow melted, they discovered that small animals had taken refuge from the cold at the base of the snowbank, and that the bark of that little tree had become the bull's food supply during the winter. And there was a 10 inch gap in the bare trunk that had been exposed. So the lifeline of the tree had been completely severed and the branches were now not getting strength from the root. And so they thought, what can we do to save our little tree? And so they called the local nursery and they were told to do a bridge graft, meaning cut last year's best growth off the ends of the branch and then graft them in to the trunk of the top and the bottom of the gap. And so this is what they did. And her husband, she said, devoted so much time to the care of this little tree. And that year that they did the graft, the leaves on the tree were very sparse and anyone passing by would definitely have thought that tree was in stress and was dying. And so they loved that little tree this family did for four years. They had watched it and, and you know, measured its growth. And so they did something that might seem a little crazy, but I don't think it would be too crazy to us. They decided to make the tree survival a matter of prayer. It was their faith that the Lord, who is the creator of all things, who notices even when a little sparrow falls from a tree, would, would be able to heal this tree. And so the leaves were sparse for a few seasons, but they continued to pray for this. And then there began to be signs of new growth appearing into this tree. And over the years, the tree continued to uh, grow to full maturity to help. And the only indication that there had been any struggle with that tree was a small little scar that remains where the graft had taken place. Now, the cause of freedom, they liken this to freedom. The cause of freedom has always been championed by a few and great things have often been accomplished by small and simple means. The ideas presented in this book here, we're at the end of this book, seem maybe too simple. The solutions are too simple, uh, facing a never ending sea of complex problems of our nation today. In fact, these solutions are simple. And the problem is because they're so simple, they have been overlooked for decades. So don't let the word simple fool you. These solutions are simple, but they require dedication and commitment and consistency. But most of all, they require a belief that they will work. And so what we're talking about today are those themes that will create a strong family. When you have a strong family, you will have a strong society. And when you have a strong society, you will have a strong nation. And that, how do we have a strong family? Well, we eat together. 
We work together. We spend quality family time together. It seems so simple doing those things to preserve liberty, but that's where it will be found. Okay, Viv, let's see the next slide. So the principle of liberty, oh, okay. We loved our tree and we didn't want to start over. So we decided to make the tree survival a matter of prayer. And it was our faith that the Lord who is the creator of all things would be able to heal our tree. So imagine hearing your prayers to heal our land, hearing the children, hearing your prayers to heal our land for us to be a part of healing of America. How powerful that would be in their little hearts and minds. Okay, let's see the next slide, Viv. All right, so principle number 26 from the 5,000 year leap. I love this principle. It's one of my favorites. The core unit which determines the strength of any society is the family. Our founders knew this. Therefore, the government should foster and protect its integrity because they understood strong families would equate into a strong nation. Okay, Viv, let's see the next slide. So quality family life is found in the simple things that are repeated consistently over time. Now in the promises of the constitution, vignette 13.3 talks about praying together, something so simple. Praying as a family. Uh, vignette 13.4, family time together. 13.5, studying the word, the studying a, a story from the Bible every day. Uh, vignette 13.6, the attributes of faith, hope, and charity, praying to have these kind of attributes in your family, teaching the constitution to your family. We're going to talk, that's our class next week. I'm going to teach you how to teach the constitution to your children. I'm going to take something that might seem complicated and I'm going to part it down and I'm just going to show you how I used to teach these principles to my kids. And ultimately, uh, Vignette 14.5 talks about the family, a child who learns to talk with God openly in the security of the family circle will be more secure and will honor God throughout life. Children who hear parents thank God for the inspired constitution will believe the constitution is worthy of their study and protection. Parents can also pray together as a couple. This practice unites parents in their goals and strengthens their partnership. I don't know, mamas, if that is something that you and your husband have ever done. So in my family, we pray before the kids go to bed. We all, you know, just gather around, we get in a circle. We kneel, we hold hands, and someone offers a prayer. We do that in the morning as well. And then when we go up to our bedroom, my husband and I, he usually comes around to the other side, and he kneels down next to me, and we pray again as a couple my husband and I have been married 30 years, and I believe that is the reason we are still together today, because we have prayed through difficult times together, and we have felt the, the sanctity of the heavens kind of just shower their grace upon us at difficult times, and I have felt that through our, our couple prayer, so that might be something you might want to try with your husband it might shock him but even if he doesn't join you if he sees you kneeling at your bed at night pray and you always invite him I bet he will eventually join you and you can pray aloud so he can hear you praying 
Okay, so let's turn to the supplemental material family. It's about time. Thanks, Viv. So in this fast-paced world, with our busy schedules, I get it. There are so many things pulling and vying for our time <laughs> and attention. We don't need to take expensive vacations or make big plans or spend a lot of money to have quality family time. In order to spend more time together as a family, it can just be as simple, just simple little things. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can just be a conversation. Okay, man, a conversation while setting the table or a little evening walk with your child. Okay, Viv, I think I've got a little, there you go. <laughs> or you can be a board game night, be a board game. We'll see the next slide, Viv. Pizza night, every Friday night we do pizza, <laughs> we play games. Um, or let's see what the next slide is. There's all kind of examples. Cooking together, those are all my daughters in the kitchen recently cooking. It's so cute to hear their little chatter or reading together with a child. Let's see what the next slide is. My 14-year-old my little daughter loves to do my hair. I always say she likes to do the black styles on white mama. So she'll do, she'll do all kinds of little braids and all kinds of little wraps, and I just love it. And it's the sweetest time at night. She'll want to do my hair and she'll want to experiment with different styles and we'll talk and we'll laugh. And then she always likes to take pictures to document all her good works, but it's a sweet little, um, sweet little easy way to bond with her. Okay, let's see what is, what's next there. Okay, so the family dinner hour can be a powerful tool to unify and unite the family, okay? So let's turn to that last little supplemental material article. Four tricks to getting the family to the table. Okay, Viv, let's see. Is there a slide that goes along with that? Four tricks. Okay. A Harvard study found that something as basic as eating together consistency, consistently fostered many wonderful things for families, not the least of which is important conversations that ensue while enjoying a good meal. So you announce what you're going to eat. Get in the habit of making a morning announcement to everyone who's leaving for the day what the evening meal will be. Like we're gonna have chicken and rice casserole with cherry pie and ice cream. See you for dinner tonight. Or don't forget the chili and homemade cornbread smothered in bunny, butter and honey tonight. See you for dinner. There's a cute little story uh, about the author of this article, Four Tricks to Getting the Family to the Table. She says she um, will never forget a little heartwarming experience. She was driving through the neighborhood after work and she came <laughs> upon a couple of 10-year-old boys in the neighborhood who were just pedaling crazy towards their little home. And she slowed down and rolled down their window, her window. And she said, hey guys, where are you headed so fast? And Josh said, hi, Mrs. Osborne, it's sloppy Joe night. And um, we got to get home for dinner. And I've been invited, Josh's pal Kevin shouted out. Now that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I want to introduce you to a wonderful book called The Food Nanny. And it's a resource that we talk about in this, um, 
lesson nine. And I don't know if you, maybe um, you can go back to that slide just for a sec. So she has some, and I, I've done her program for several years when all the kids were at home. So what she did is she recommends getting two weeks worth of menus and writing it. And she has actually uh, a little sheet that you can print out and you can just hand write in what the, the menu is going to be for two weeks. And then you can just slap it on the refrigerator. Then let's see the next menu. Uh, the next slide. So what she what she did is she broke the menus down according to themes. So Monday was comfort food and Tuesdays was Italian night. And she has all the recipes in this book. Wednesdays was fish night or meatless night or breakfast. And Thursday, Mexican night, Friday, pizza night, Saturday, grill night. And then Sunday was family tradition. So roasted chicken or pot roast or something like that. And, um, and so I would do that a part of our family devotional. I, I, the kids would know what we were going to have and I would tell them uh, what they were, what we were going to have for dinner. And they would look, look at this, my little calendar on the refrigerator and it made them want to come home <laughs> for dinner. And so it was really effective for the several years that I did the food nanny. So according to the food nanny, she said, Studies show that the more often children and teens eat with their parents, the happier they are. When these meal times are structured, the more children will gain their benefits. They will have better nutrition. They will have better language because you're talking back and forth. They will have fewer eating disorders and fewer riskier behaviors because they're more likely to come to you with problems when you're regularly eating dinner together. Now she says teens who eat less than three times with their family per week are two and a half times more likely to smoke, one and a half times more likely to drink, and almost three times more likely to try drugs. Mealtime becomes a way for families to bond. It shows children that they have access to a caring parent. Okay, so the second thing to get um, children to the to the table to eat together is to set the table. And I tried this as well. So when I will actually set the table and use real glasses and real forks, that, that it's like, oh, this is going to be good. So the author of this supplemental material article, she said that, um, that they didn't have a lot of money when she, uh, her kids were in the home. But she said that she always tried to have a little candle on the table and little paper napkins neatly folded underneath the fork. She tried to use real glasses, not plastic. And she said, I even had those inexpensive plastic vinyl placemats that you could buy at Walmart. And she said when she began to work, she would set the table in the morning. So when she came home from work, the table was already set. So the kids knew that there was going to be dinner. Now, number three, is food aromas. She, she recommended sometimes when you're getting things ready and the kids are getting hungry, just start frying some onions or something. You can have the onions frozen, just throw them in and fry them because the food aromas will tell the children, hang on, dinner's coming. And, and it will calm <laughs> everyone in the family that doesn't deal well with hunger pains. 
She said she had a child that would turn to Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde when he was hungry. But she found that if he could smell the food aromas coming from the kitchen and, you know, have a visual evidence that the dinner was pending, his crankiness calmed down. And it was because the food aromas created an, an anticipation of dinner to come. And number four, uh, the author says, have fun traditions. Introduce fun traditions with an element of surprise on a regular basis. One mother would hide almonds in her tapioca or a cream pudding <laughs> desserts or put a quarter in a cake every Monday uh, for dinner. And the child who found the almond or the quarter was able to choose, remove one chore from their weekly chore list. Uh, and so just have some fun little traditions like one mom would write little notes and put them under the plates uh, on the dinner table for the children. One mama would give um, names of funny names to her recipes, headhunter stew, chakaraka daka, chocolate cake, razzmatazz, ravioli. So we have a little tradition in our family for everyone's birthday, they get to um, decide what they want for breakfast. They get to have their special, you are special red plate. And then everyone writes homemade notes to the birthday boy. So this is my husband's birthday recently. And then because most of the kids are gone, everyone texted or emailed me their letter and I printed them out just on white paper. And then dad read everyone's cards and we've done that forever. So that's one of our traditions. What are some of your meal traditions, mama? You could put that in the chat if you want, but having a little fun little traditions around uh, the dinner hour or birthdays or, or whatnot. So um, one more thing, and then we are almost finished with our class today. Good. Let's see that next slide. So Moms for America has a book called Table Talk Sampler, 31 Days of Stories, Quotes, and Questions to Spark Conversation at the Dinner Hour. So it also looks like this. It has two different covers. I believe you can buy this at the Moms for America store. I know you can get that Table Talk Sampler on Amazon as well. I think it's $9. But it's kind of a, it's got good little questions or quotes or stories, and that can spark you know, the topic for conversation that night at the um, dinner table. So in this book, it talks about, we talk about everything we worry about as parents from drugs to alcohol, promiscuity, obesity, academic achievement, and just good old tradition can all be improved by the simple act of eating and talking together around the table. Just think of all the disputes that could be settled the dreams that could be developed, the virtues that could be nurtured, and the relationships that could be fostered if we took the time to sit down and have dinner together as a family. We could solve so many problems ailing our nation right here at the dinner table. It is the influence of the home that live in the life of kingdoms, while parental councils repeat itself in the voices of republics. We would impress upon the minds of our readers this grand truth, and that would, and that would, that we might thunder it in the ears of all mankind that a nation is but a magnified home. 
once again, a strong family equals a strong society and a strong society will make for a strong nation. Grandmamas, I just have two children left at home. One's 18 and one is 14 and the 18 years old is right in the midst of basketball season. He comes home late sometimes, doesn't always eat dinner with us. And I would be remiss if I said, you know, we ate together as a family every night. We don't. We probably do about two or three times a night a week. So do the best that you can, all right? Make it a priority to do these things, to put on the refrigerator what you're eating for two weeks, to set the table so the kids know, hey, this might be good to get those aromas going, you know, instead of starting dinner at five, six o'clock when the kids are so famished, start, have them start smelling some aromas at 4.35 and then have some fun little traditions around the dinner hour. So they're going to look forward to coming together. So it's not a fight. So, you know, instead of eating uh, in front of the TV, they'll go, oh yeah, okay, this is going to be fun. This is going to be good. <laughs> so the last slide, Viv, the home, David O. McKay, an educator, said, the home is the first and most effective place to learn the lessons of life, truth, honor, virtue, self-control, the value of education, honest work, and the purpose and privilege of life. Nothing can take the place of home in rearing and teaching children, and no other success can compensate for failure in the home. Beautiful mamas, this, these simple things of eating together and working together and having a little time management program or work program in the home and spending simple ways to have quality family time together is really worth our best efforts. And I believe the solutions might really be found at the kitchen table as we sow these seeds of strong families who love each other, who love God, who love this country. So thank you so much for your attention today. Sorry, I've kind of talked slow because I didn't want to go on a coughing jag with you. And I so appreciate, I know this is such a busy time of year with Christmas. There's so many demands on your time. It says so much that you have joined us today for class next week is our last class before we take a two-week break. And we are uh, ending on a bang, how to teach your children the Constitution or to teach your grandchildren the Constitution. So... Uh -huh.